and is worthy. Hallelujah. So good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to be with you one more time. Amen. I bring your greetings in the wonderful and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome, welcome all to Bible study. Amen. We want to get right into the word of the Lord tonight and just begin to see what God has to say to us. You know, the thing that I think about a lot lately is how much are we really satisfied with where we are, who we are, and what we're doing for the Lord? How much are we satisfied? Um, We can probably rationalize within ourselves um, that we're not satisfied. But then if we check our daily actions, everything that we're doing, can we see any change? Can we see... um, anything we're doing differently to say, I need to be better. I need to be closer to Jesus. I need to be more involved with the plan of God. I'm not sure if we evaluate uh, and be honest with ourselves that we will feel like we're seeing change or we're seeing uh, a, a difference in us as we try to progress and try to get closer to the Lord. And so I challenge you tonight as we go before the Lord in prayer to challenge yourself to let every time you get come together for whether it's prayer, Bible study, our worship service, any special meetings, uh, we need to challenge ourselves, me, you, and everyone else. We should challenge ourselves to say, did I come away different? Did I receive something to to just move in my soul and cause me to behave differently. And I thought about it a little bit Sunday because I believe that uh, Brother Micah preached a wonderful message, um, you know, seeing clearly. And I'm sure everyone that listened attentively enjoyed what they heard and felt like he was right on point. But he talked about us being his trees. And so the question is, have we shown ourselves to be as trees since we heard the message Sunday? And that's what I mean by challenging yourself and looking into yourself to say, where am I? What am I doing? And so I want to be a tree like the men of God preached. And I want to be what God want me to be. I really want to see growth in my life. I want to see my relationship with Christ get, get better and my relationship with others to be better. I want the gifts of the Spirit to operate in my life. I want to help more people get saved. And I just want to be involved with the things of God. And so if you want that in your life, will you stand with me wherever you are? Here you can stand with me. Um, You're in your living room, your bedroom, your basement, your car, your job, wherever you are. Stand with me if you can. And let's go before the Lord for a few more moments and just ask the Lord to help us be transformed. Help us to walk in our purpose. Help us to be who he designed us to be. Help us to be better because God is calling us to higher heights. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're grateful. We're thankful that we can come together one more time. Lord, we love you. We cherish you. We honor you. You are our God, but not only are you our God, but you are our Lord. 
you rule and reign over us, Lord God, and we submit to you. We surrender, Lord God. We give ourselves to you. And we say, Jesus, have your way in our heart. Jesus, have your way in our thought. Lord Jesus, we ask that you will be merciful tonight and that you will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For, Lord, we certainly have sinned and come short of your glory. But tonight, Lord God, we confess our sins, the sins of omission and the sins of commission. For God, we want to truly continue to be transformed by the power of your spirit, Lord God. And we ask you to forgive us for all that we've done wrong. For tonight, Lord God, we want you to touch our heart and remove from us, Lord God, self-centered motives. We want, oh God, Christ-centered motives in our heart, Lord God. We want to live by the Spirit. We want to live by the Word of God. We want to truly, oh God, walk in the purpose of God. We truly want to know, Lord God, that we are pleasing you. And oh God, we ask tonight that you help us, that the Word of God will help us, that the Spirit of God will help us, that change will come to us individually and collectively, that Lord Jesus tonight will not just be another Bible lesson, but Lord God, something will change deep within us. The Holy Ghost will do a work, oh God, a deep work, a strong work, a miraculous work. We want the Holy Ghost, oh God, to work deep down inside of us, that Lord, we cannot remain the same, that God, we will be challenged, that God, we will be encouraged, that God, we will be motivated, that God we will be moved to go oh God to a place in you where we have not been we need to get outside of ourselves oh great God and we need your help father to get outside of ourselves to fulfill your will to know almighty God we're walking in your purpose to not allow the things Lord God that have tripped us up so easily the things that have prevented us Lord God from truly obeying you to no longer allow those things to, oh God, have advantage over us, but Lord, that we will have the strength of God, the power of God, that Lord, we will be bold in you to do what is right and pleasing before you. Father, have your way tonight, oh God, will you move upon us, will you let your word speak, Lord God, loudly to every one of our hearts and minds, will you, almighty God, help us, Father, to experience the supernatural power, to experience, oh Oh God, uh, something uh, that we've never experienced in the realm uh, of the Spirit. Uh, oh God, will you have your way tonight? Uh, will you allow me to be your vessel, your instrument? Let there be an anointing uh, that will flow. Uh, touch our ears, oh God, uh, so we can hear what the Spirit uh, uh, is saying unto us. Uh, but more importantly, as we hear, uh, teach us uh, how to apply what we hear. Teach us how to live out what we hear. Teach us uh, how to implement what we hear here. Father, bless this church tonight. Help us tonight, Lord God. Will you move on us tonight, O oh God? And oh, Father, let there be change that will take place deep down within our soul. For Lord, we look to you. We can do nothing of ourselves. Only by you and through you can we do anything that's worth anything. Will you help us tonight, Lord? Will you help us tonight, Lord? Will you touch us tonight, Lord? Will you speak to us tonight? Lord, oh God.
God, we pray and we ask you these things in the wonderful name, in the glorious name, in the matchless name, in the most powerful name of Jesus Christ. Can somebody clap their hands unto the Lord and thank Him tonight? Lord, we thank You. Oh God, we thank You. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for praying with me. Amen. We have expectation that the Lord will speak to us and help us tonight. I'm, I'm excited about the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I'm excited about the word of the Lord. I believe God will help us tonight. And if you will just open your heart and allow him to, he will speak to you. He will help you to become what he designed you to become if you will trust him tonight amen welcome to thursday night bible study amen we hope that uh god has kept you uh where he needs to keep you and is blessing you and doing great things in your life and so we need to take another step as we get into the word of god tonight you know we've been talking about uh the series we've been teaching on is pleasing the Lord, and we have uh, got into three weeks of talking about pleasing the Lord, and so tonight we're on our fourth week, our fourth lesson in pleasing the Lord, and so we're going to get into the scripture of Luke, Luke chapter 14, verse number 8, and we'll read verse 8 through 11, that's Luke chapter 14, verse 8. Through 11. Again, welcome to Thursday night Bible study. Um, we're here at our church facility and we are trying to do our best to um, to serve you in the best way possible by way of our live stream, our live feed and also in person. And we're trying to um, put everything in place. So when we go live, um, I guess July 5th will be our first live service when we implement everything. We're going to implement two services and, um, you know, social distancing. We're trying to abide by. We're doing that here tonight. Uh, we're wearing our mask out. We're making sure everyone that come in um, is screened and temperatures checked. And so we're doing all of those things to try to keep everyone safe. As you can see, um, the virus has spiked again. And the places that weren't seeing a lot of um, infection, they are now seeing it. And so here in the corner of the Northeast, where it really hit us hard in March and April and even in May, and it, it hit us hard, we're not seeing as much and maybe you know we learned and we did the necessary things to uh stay safe we lost a lot of people during this time and um you know it, it's a tough thing but we pray that those around the country will take all the necessary precaution to stay safe and that family members will be safe because the virus didn't go anywhere amen it's still available as i like to say it didn't go anywhere, and um, so we can't act like because we, you know, we have done the necessary. 
things to stay safe that the virus is um, gone anywhere. No, we 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 just follow doctors. Um, the, let's go to we follow the CDC orders, and um, we're able to um, get things a little bit under control here. So we just have to keep doing what we've done to get to this place, and we'll be safe. And we need to pray for our um, communities and states around the nation that God will keep them and keep them safely. There's some people that we know within our um, fellowship that has contracted the virus, but we will continue to pray for them. Luke chapter 14, verse number 8. The word of the Lord said in verse number 8, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee and him come and stay to thee, come and say to thee, give this man place and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. Verse 11. For whosoever exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. We'll break those texts down in a little bit, um, but tonight our lesson will be focused on this. To walk humble. To walk humbly. We will focus on how to walk humbly. The past three weeks we have talked about pleasing the Lord. Specifically, we must know what the Lord requires. That was lesson one in this series, knowing what the Lord requires. Lesson two talked about choose to do justly. And lesson three talked about loving mercy. And so tonight we'll talk about walking humbly walking humbly in Luke 14 the scripture reports that Jesus was invited to a meal at the home of a leading Pharisee such a supper was modeled after a Roman banquet which often lasted for hours such meals were quite a social event there was no assigned seating at that event that meal each arriving guest chose the seat they wanted to sit in. Sitting near the host was considered significant because it gained attention. Having accepted the invitation, Jesus watched. What he saw was self-exaltation on display. Jesus watched. He was invited to one of these uh, so-called meal, one of these so-called parties if you will and so when he went he watched and what he saw was self-exaltation at his highest display the pride self-interest and ambition of the pharisees showed as they chose seats near the host sitting near the host did not add any real value it was a pretty Let's say it this way. 
It was a petty distinction, but other people would most certainly notice it. So there were people that showed up and they wanted to sit close to the host because when you sat close to the host, it said something about your relationship with the host. It didn't mean anything was great about you. It just meant in a petty way that look at me, I'm known by the host. Jesus watched as the meal progressed. The host also had an agenda. So not only do the people uh, who showed up had an agenda to try to say I'm important because I'm sitting next to the guest, to the host, but even the host had an agenda. Wanting it known that important people had attended his supper, the host would begin to rearrange the seating to bring important people up to sit near him. If the host saw someone important sitting at a low seat, he would have a servant ask that guest to move closer to the host. Sometimes there was a complication. Someone already occupied the higher seat. The person who was sitting in the high seat had made a self-assessment. Uh-huh. He felt he was important and deserved the lofty place. But the host, somebody say the host, but the host as a master of the feast was the one who determined which guests were more important. I got to say that again. But the host as a master of the feast was the one who determined which guests were more important important. And by now, if you've been here any amount of time, you know I've talked to you many times on understanding that if you're going to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're going to be a child of God, if you're going to be a Christian, you have to get the concept that the Almighty God, Jesus Christ, God manifest in flesh, must be your host. So many of us are trying to live for God and we're trying to host him. And I'm trying to tell you here, this is a clear indication, clear word, a clear teaching and explanation of the power of the host. And so when you allow the all-powerful one to be the host, when you allow the all-knowing one to be the host, you are in good hands. But if you determine that you will be the host and you will try to host him, understand this, that you are not all-powerful, you're not all-knowing, and you can't do all things. And so you don't have any power. You can be the host if you want, but you don't have any power. A servant was then sent to speak to whoever now sat in the higher seat. The message was, move. There is someone else, the master of the feast, once sitting here. As others watched, the guests who had been told to move would stand and walk down. It was humiliating when Someone had to come to you and say, hey, I know you're sitting in this high seat, but, but we need you to move. And, and, and you're going to go all the way back to the room that's lower. You, you have to leave from this high seat. You have to leave from where you are and go all the way back. And that walk of shame is no joke because you just got humiliated because as you get up to walk back to that lower place, guess what? Someone from the lower place is coming up to take your spot. 
He had overestimated his significance. Now all that remained were the lowest seats. His arrogant self-assessment did not match the value placed on him by the master of the feast. That word value stuck out again. So here we go. You don't determine your value to others. I taught this but it might have slipped you when I taught it. And I'll teach it again because it's a very good lesson and we'll talk about that some other time. But I want you to hear it tonight. You do not determine your value. Others do. And we don't like that. Now, I'm not telling you not to value yourself. It's not what I'm saying. I'm not telling you not to have self-esteem. What I'm telling you is Others will determine your value, not you. Okay? Let me talk about a little bit more. Other people determine what your worth, what your value is. Think about this. You ever think about folks negotiating a contract? You're saying, you have to pay me this much to do the job. Professional athletes does it. You and I, that, that's working for a corporation, when we show up, they're telling us the job pay X, and I'm saying, well, I'm worth more than X. And they're saying, I'm only paying you X. Who determined the value? And if you don't like the value that they're, they're placing on you, then you go someplace else until you feel like you get the value. But even when you go someplace else, even if they're giving you more, they are determined the value, not you. So we don't determine the value. <laughs> Woo! Help us, Holy Ghost. People pay you what you are worth or value to them. So while you might think you're worth a lot and they should value you more, they still determine what they will pay you. That doesn't mean that you are not valuable. It doesn't mean that. I don't want you leaving thinking that I'm not valuable and people determine that. I'm just telling you that that's usually how value is determined. Huh. And that is actually true in every facet of life. You ready for this one? You determine God's value. That's part of the lesson that went over your head when I taught it. How can you say that, preacher? Because whatever he's worth to you is how you're going to respond. Whatever he's worth to you will be how you act. And if you don't show any reverence to God, it means he's not real valuable to you. So you don't have time to put in that kind of time. You don't have time to show him that kind of reverence because he's not valuable to you. He's not that much to you. So guess what? I'll catch God when I see him. I'll show up when I feel like. I'll read when I feel like. I'll pray when I feel like. Because why? He's not that valuable to me. Remember, I told you this, God existed at one point all by himself with nothing. With God existing by himself one time and there was nothing, what value did he have? There was nothing. So what value did he have? 
part of why the human creation is here is because God had no value existing by himself. But when God realized that the only way I will have value is to create a human race, is to create people like myself that looks like me, that will, that will, that will have the, 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 the thought to choose. I'm going to create a people that when I come to that world, they will look like me. I'm going to create them and they will determine my value. The almighty God realized that people had to determine his value. Did that stop him from being all powerful? No. Did that stop him from being all knowing? No. Did that stop him from filling all space and time? No. But it still was needed for him to understand he had value. Because while he was here, he had no value. Nobody was here. Nothing, nothing was here. What, there was nothing to show any kind of value. So people determine your value. And if Almighty God has determined that people will determine his value, then guess what? Who are we? That's a tough pill to swallow. But the truth of the matter is other people will determine your value. Now, the biggest thing is God will determine your value. Uh Uh-huh. The Lord, you know, maybe your job didn't determine the value you think you are or what you're worth. Maybe the job didn't do it. Maybe the contract you negotiated, they didn't give you what you were worth. But guess what? It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, if God is the one that ultimately determined your value, then you're in good hands because he's faithful. He's fair. He's just. He's merciful. That's who I want to determine my value, not somebody that just, just, they, 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 They don't know it all. They don't understand it. They don't really know my heart. They don't know my thought. But God knows all these things. So God is the one that ultimately determines my value. Mm -hmm. In Luke 14, 11, it says, For whosoever exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. To be humble is important, but often misunderstood. Understanding what Jesus taught requires clarity on what humility is not. That drive me crazy. The things that we try to do to say we're humble when it's really not the case. Humility is not minimizing our abilities. Humility is not presenting ourselves as inadequate. Humility is not poor little me. We are not prideful if we feel good about the work we do on the job or at church. As a matter of fact, if you don't feel good about the job you do at work or at church, then you will never do a good job because you have to feel good about something that you did good to repeat it again. If you never feel good about something, you'll never do it again. And so we need to make sure that we understand we are to feel good about the things that we do, and that's not prideful. Complete the following sentence. I am good at blah, 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 blah. That's not being prideful. Because it's a talent or a gift that God has given you. 
And all you're doing is letting people know what you're good at because that's what God blessed you to do. That's not prideful. Uh huh. Completing the following sentence. I am bad at blah, 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 blah. Uh huh. And so it's okay to admit what you're good at and what you're bad at. Proud people pretend to be good at everything. But being humble is not downplaying our success and focusing on our failure. Neither approach is correct. Uh-huh. Humility is not being unable to accept a compliment. Responding to a compliment with, oh, you are just saying that. You know how some people say, oh, you're so great. And sometimes we respond, oh, you're just saying that. When you know what they're saying is really true. That is not being humble. Such persons or such responses can be false modesty. False modesty is proudly showing others how humble we are. Such a response also demeans the good qualities the Lord Jesus put in us. It's okay to say, well, God bless me with that kind of thing. There's some things in my life that I do a lot of things in my life that I do, I can't take any credit for it because I really understand that it's, it's, it's a God thing. God did it. God, God, God gave me ability and talent that's in me that has nothing to do with me. He gave that to me, and I was born with it, right? Uh, one of the things I, I always say I can't take credit for, and that is um, I can't hold grudges. I'm so far from that, it, and, it, and it really drives me crazy when I see it. But I try to be as merciful and as patient with everyone that does. Why? Because I recognize that I don't think it's something I did. I think it's something God gave me just understanding what he will do with my life if I obey him. So whatever plan that he had for my life, he realized you can't hold grudges. And he built that in me. And so today, I'm serving the Lord, not being able to hold grudges. I can't. I don't know what that is. But it has nothing to do with me. It wasn't something I studied to do. It wasn't all my consecration and prayer that I did. No, God did something in the designing of who I am, and that's why I can do it. It has nothing to do with me. And the things that God did not do that's great and wonderful, it means I need to work on making those things great and wonderful in my life. And God can do that too. Humility is not feeling worthless. Humble people can be ambitious. Uh-huh. We should envision a better future for ourselves and our families. Christian living does not require poverty of mind. Help me somebody. Christians can feel good about themselves and who they are in Christ. So what does it mean to be humble? True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Rick Warren, The Purpose Driven Life. I'll say it again. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. You get that? So, so we have to, we can't, you know, 
think less of ourselves. You have to have good self-esteem. Don't think less of yourself. Have good self-esteem. But as you go through life, think less of yourself. That's why the Bible says we should, we, we, we should prefer our brother over ourselves. It means I'm thinking less of me and more of you. Mm, help us, Jesus. Yes. Pride, self-interest, and self-promotion cause us to want attention. Those same things expose us to embarrassment and humiliation. Oh, help us. So, so when you have pride and self-interest and, 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 and all of that stuff and promoting yourself and all of that, those things will expose you to embarrassment and humiliation. Proud people bruise easily. <laughs> Proud people bruise easily. So when people get offended easy, I'm giving you a secret tonight. That's a secret. Don't tell anybody about this secret. So when you start talking to people and you say anything and they get offended real easy, they get hurt real easy, pride. <laughs> pride. I know it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I just had a situation the other day at work. Didn't even think about that I was teaching this lesson tonight. Tuesday I was in the office. And... We were just all, you know, what few of us are in the office, we're all gathered around talking. And one of the young lady, really nice young lady, she do good work. She like one of the um, uh, assistant, administrative assistant and to one of our project managers. And, you know, I talked to her from time to time. We have a great relationship. And so I don't know what we were talking about. But one time she told me that, um, you know, she had a nice guy. And I said, good. I said, I'd like to see things work out for you all. So. I, I, I said to her the other day, I said, so how are your how is your relationship going? Any marriage anywhere closer? And she was like, well, I don't talk about my personal life like that. And, um, you know, it's really none of your business. I said, well, marriage is good. And I was just hoping that you were getting closer. But my bad if I just I said it just like I said, my bad if I seemed like I pried a little bit when I just was really, you know. Just hoping that the relationship was doing well, just like that, with a smile on my face. And we talked some more, talked some more, and then I went back to my office. Her boss and I have worked together for as long as we've been at the company together, over 20 years. And so after a while, I see the same girl walking back, almost with tears in her eyes. I said, hey, what's going on? Now, this is somebody I buy lunch and take care of. We're good. We're good. I said, what's going on? She said, um, I want to apologize to you. I, I, I really didn't carry myself right didn't talk to you right i said come on now what are you worrying about i said you have every right to be personal and not have to share anything i was just caring about your relationship she said no no she said no 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 i'm sorry blah 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 and i said listen just act like it didn't happen don't even worry about it. we're good we're good just don't worry about it and she said okay and she walked away of course after she walked away her boss that her and i walked worked together for over 24 years came back. Yeah, I wasn't playing that, Wayne. I said, what are you talking about? Oh, I sent her back there to go apologize. <laughs> I said, you better, you better go apologize to Wayne. He ain't one of the few that's around you that's genuine and care about people and doing things. You want to talk to you better go, man. And so her boss told her she had to come and apologize. And, and, and her boss even told her this. Her boss even told her this. And I know what he's going to say, but you still better go back there. She knew. 
continue, I, it was go, no sweat off my back. No big deal. Because it's just, it's just the way that I say I am. And so, but it makes me think of this lesson tonight right where we are, that if pride was working in a strong way in my life, I'd have raised up when she said that. Because I would have thought about, girl, you got some nerve. I done bought you lunch and I treated you good, better than everybody else. How dare you respond to me like that? That never even crossed my mind. And that's what we're talking about here. When you're prideful, you bruise easy. You get upset easy. You're ready to argue with people when you're prideful. Instead of just taking it and probably look at it and say, well, maybe I did. Maybe I was wrong. So when we're prideful, we don't look at things the way we need to look at it. Proud people bruise easily. By contrast, behaving with humility is the sure way never to suffer humiliation. Uh-huh. So when you live humbly and don't think yourself to be this high and mighty person, when people say things to you, it don't offend you. But if you do, you're going to like, how dare you talk to me, me, like you have done. That's what happens when you think high of yourself. But when you're humble and you just think, oh, no big deal, then whenever people offend you, it won't be a big deal. In speaking of humility, the late George L. Glass Sr. said, you take a low road to a high place. You take a low road to a high place. We must not overestimate our own significance. Again, if people determine your value, then it means that you just need to fall back and just kind of watch how people do things and what they say and how they treat you. And don't you try to force yourself on people to try to get them to believe in you, to try to get them to, you know, prop you up if you're humble. In the parable of the meal, when people were seated as the host wanted them to be seated, the arrangement showed how he felt, how the host felt about each attendee. An assuming person might now be in a place of prominence. Jesus then instructed his audience on how to respond. When thou art bidden, go and sit in the lowest room. Hmm. Jesus taught us that presuming our importance is a mistake, regardless of how we see ourselves. Instead, in cases such as this, we are to go and sit down in the lowest room. Decide not to join the competition to be noticed. If the host wishes to evaluate or I'm sorry, if the host wishes to elevate you, it will happen in due time. If the host wishes to elevate you, it will happen in due time. Jesus should be your host. And wherever you are, just understand no matter what's going on, Jesus is hosting me and he determines when he elevates and when he brings down. And so you don't have to worry about Elevation. Jesus will determine when he will elevate you. That's why in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we should always make certain he is hosting us and not the other way around. 
That's a big portion. It's a simple thing, but I think it's such a great big thing to understand that as a child of God, as one living for Christ, as one being a part of the body of Christ, we have to make sure Jesus Christ is the host of our life and we are the guest. Because if he's the host and you're the guest, you know what that means when you wake up in the morning. All right, Lord, where are we going today? You tell me. I'm right there with you. All right, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because whatever you want, that's what I'm going to do. All right, Lord, I don't understand. I don't know. I don't have the insight, but you do. What do you want me to do today? Because he's the host and you're the guest. He is the one that owns everything and you're the servant. And if we approach every day like Jesus Christ is the host of our life and we're just the guest, we will be successful. We will really walk in the purpose of God every day if we wake up and say, Lord, you are the host of my life. You are the Lord of my life and you are the shot caller. Now, what do you want me to do today? Because as you tell me, that's what I'll do. That's how we allow Jesus to be the host of our life. A simple, simple thing that many Christians are not doing. Because many Christians overstep their bounds by thinking, I'm a child of God. I can do this. That's entitlement. We're walking around as children of God being we're in, in, in the manner of entitlement and not as children of God that understands he's the host and not as a servants of God and understand he's the master. We're not walking around like Jesus is the master. We're not walking around like Jesus is the Lord. We're not walking around like Jesus is the host. We're walking around entitled. That's challenging because we need to walk around Understanding he's the Lord, he's the host, he's the master. To the competitive, Jesus taught, for whosoever exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Several lessons can be gleaned from this parable. People who overestimate their importance put themselves at risk of being humiliated. People who overestimate their importance put themselves at risk of being humiliated. Promotion will come to the humble. Humility is a personal choice. We choose either to be arrogant or humble. How the master sees us is far more important than how we see ourselves. Again, he determines your value. He determines who you are, and that's what you want. He is so gracious, so merciful, so kind. That's who we want to determine our value. I don't even want to determine my value because I'm corrupt in my thinking. My heart is evil and deceitful and wicked. I don't want to determine my value. I want the one that's just. I want the one that's merciful. I want the one that's loving. I want the one that's faithful. I want the one that's kind to determine my value. I thank God he is almighty God and he has everything under control because he is the one who determines our value. Somebody say amen. Jesus' use of the phrase shall be indicates a passage of time. The humble or the humbling 
of a proud person may not come quickly, but it will come. The humbling of a proud person may not come quickly, but it will come. Likewise, a humble person's elevation may not come quickly, but it will come. Self-promotion seems to be the norm these days. Everybody's telling you all of this stuff. This is one of the reasons why our social media get blown up, because everybody use it to promote their idea, use it to promote self, use it to be popular. I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it anyhow. And, and Ethan and Josiah might um, have to think about this and might not like this. But here's the truth. The most important people in our world, I've said this to them before, spend less time on social media than everyone else. The most important people in our world and the people that feel insignificant, they use it to feel significant. Uh-huh. That's, that's usually social media. And so we have to be careful how we consume it. Because a lot of times you get on social media and you're just hearing from those that already feel insignificant and they're doing their best to prop themselves up. They're doing their best to value, validate themselves and it's just really nothing going on. In such behavior... Pleasing God. Uh-huh. Self-promotion. Don't please God. Certainly not. We must not think that manipulation, ingenuity, and aggressiveness for personal gain are pleasing to God. God determines who will sit in the places of significance. God determines who will sit in the places of significance. Psalms 75 verse 6 and 7, the word of the Lord says, For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He put it down one and set it up another. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. And he is just so just. We're so, we're so blessed and fortunate that he is the one that raises up and brings down. True humility operates counter-culturally. Mm-hmm. Jesus' second lesson was counter-cultural. In Christ's day, a banquet host could expect return invitation from his guests. The Pharisees were an exclusive club with the party moving from one house to another. Jesus wanted something different. He said, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. These suppers had two types of measurement. Where someone sat was evaluated. The people who attended were evaluated. Jesus now addressed the Pharisees' desire to have it known that important people had attended their supper. He taught us to be intentional, humble before the people with whom we associate. It was socially, financially, and politically beneficial 
for the right people to attend. A Pharisee who carried out Jesus' directive put himself at risk. He would be abandoning the long-standing quid pro quo system and no one important would be at his supper. Jesus called for humility. No one chooses to be maimed, lame, or blind, and the poor often have no choice in the matter either. So Jesus looked, in case you missed what I just said, Jesus looked out and said, so you all are inviting people that's in your status. And so now we're all going to try to outdo one another, competing to see who can get the most important people to come to their dinner and let them sit in the high room and the less important people to sit in the low room. So it was a game that was being played. And Jesus said, okay, that was your platform to, to, to exalt yourself. That's your platform to show how important you think you are and to show people what you think of yourself. Well, I will tell you something different. And Jesus says, I'm not going to invite all these rich people. I'm not going to invite these people that is of significance and important. I'm going to invite the maim, the lame, the blind, and the poor. These people is who I will invite because I'm different from you all because you all are playing this game of, of showing who you think you are and your ego is getting the best of you, and Jesus wanted people to understand what humility was really all about. Yes. Unfortunately, some have, uh, uh, all of these people that you, we mentioned here about being maimed and lame or blind, and some of them poor, some say in the Western world, in this area where we live, anyone can succeed. Just pull yourself up by your bootstrap. Unfortunately, some have no bootstrap by which to pull themselves up. They need someone else to pull them up. And we, the church of the living God, cannot be like those Pharisees. We cannot operate like them. What do you mean by that, preacher? We can't go around trying to look for people only to talk to because of their status. We can't look around us and say, okay, who is like me? Well, then let me reach out to them. That's being like the Pharisees were and really we're doing it by default we're looking around to see who that 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 is like us who who can we see that's higher than us that we can reach out to that we can keep company with and that's just how our world work right now and jesus is saying to us what about the maim what about the lame what about those that are wounded what about those that are bruised what about those that are poor if you all just keep on having a ball and enjoying each other because you're living good who's gonna take care of the poor who's gonna take care of the maim and the lame and the blind who's gonna take care of those people if you all just keep having your nice parties that's what jesus want to know those who walk humbly before the lord reach beyond their comfort zone uh-huh and so it's comfortable to go to somebody that makes six figure like you do. It's comfortable to go to somebody who have a big house like yours. It's comfortable to talk to someone that do the same kind of work that you do. Will you become uncomfortable and start to talk to people who is not like you that we will consider less than us? Will we do that or that's just too uncomfortable? Because that says something about us. Are we really humble or not? Because if we can't reach down to help pull somebody else up who can't even pull themselves up, then we may not be as humble as we think we are. Uh-huh. 
They intentionally connect with disadvantaged people. Jesus did not say to his audience, give these unfortunate the leftover from your grand supper. Jesus said, when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. Those disadvantaged people were to be invited guests. The less fortunate were to attend a grand supper like what Jesus was attending. The blind, the lame, the maimed, and poor were to be invited to eat the same sort of food provided to Jesus. Humble people... Do not treat the less fortunate any differently than they treat their friends who are wealthy as well. Okay? Plain old, plain old. If you cook steak and lobster at your house and somebody come over and you want to give them uh, uh, hot dogs, you're treating people different. Hmm? You're quiet now. Don't get quiet on me at home. They quiet on me right here. But y'all don't get quiet on me. Shout and say, preacher, preacher, I'm hearing y'all. Put something on, on the screen and say, preacher, preacher. Because we don't want to hear that, that we serve steak and lobster to our family. And when we get guests over our house, we serve them hot dogs. <laughs> The bottom line is, if we're going to show ourselves to be humble, whatever we serve our top-notch guests, we need to serve it to the people that we feel like is less advantaged, less, that, that is more disadvantaged. We need to do that. Uh-huh. We should not treat anybody any less. This is why a lot of what's going, in our, going on in our world is just so challenging, because clearly, Part of what's catching up to us is we've always done that. We've always treated people differently. And, and you're on my status, okay, we do things a little differently. And then the ones that's not on your status level, you treat them differently. And Jesus has taught us in his word that we treat everybody the same. We're supposed to love everybody. We're supposed to treat everybody fairly. Huh. The maimed, lame, blind, and poor would not come to such a supper competing for a high seat such people would just be glad to have a seat uh-huh any seat they don't care can you imagine getting a, a blind person to come to your nice elegant party and 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 they're not worried about where they're sitting they're just thankful that i'm in the party uh-huh walking humbly with the lord is easier when we see ourselves as we are we are not those who deserve an invitation. Instead, we are unexpected invitees. Uh, somebody hear me today. If you realize that Jesus didn't have to invite you to this family gathering. Uh, oh, God help us. Uh, we, we, maybe we think that we, 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 we were entitled to be with Jesus. Uh, but the Bible says, the soul that sinneth shall surely die. What that means is every one of us was born into sin and shape and iniquity. So the question is, why are we still living? Because the merciful God still extended an invitation to us even though we didn't deserve it. So what are we doing? Are we extending an invitation to those that you may think don't deserve it? And that goes in so many areas. It goes in so many areas that we, we, we might have people that we felt like treated us wrong. They don't deserve to have an invitation to my home. Well, 
Are you going to be like Jesus or are you going to be like you want to be? Lord, help us. Proud Pharisees contested for the high seat. The poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind would feel privileged to be included. Their invitation would be as an unexpected favor. The person who invited them was welcoming these people of limited means with no expectation of return. How many people you think go to the prisons and teach? How many people you think go to the hospitals and, 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 and pray and love people? How many people you think go to the nursing home and reach out? How many people go to the soup kitchen? How many people go to the less fortunate? Not a lot of people because we usually do things expecting a return and the main can't give us no return. The people in the nursing home can't give us no return. The sick people in the hospital, they can't give us no return. The people in the jail, they can't give us no return. And so we don't have time to go to people. People that cannot give us any return. We go straight to the ones that we say, well, something can come out of this. Uh-huh. In Bible times, the poor, maimed, lame, and blind survived by the generosity of others. Such were destitute due to physical condition. The word translated poor has an uh, expanded definition of cringing beggar. The poor of every era had experienced physical abuse. We got to, all of these things, we don't consider what people have experienced and that we need to reach down and pull them up. Jesus was teaching us a different way than what society has taught us. Rather than attempting to impress those who are driven by self-interest, we are to invite people who have been, who have been humiliated by life. They deserve it. That's, that's a big thing with us. You know that? That we, we cut people off and treat people a certain way when we think they deserve what they got. And if the truth be told, for many of us, we could be in that same situation. We just never got caught. I can't tell you how many evenings I stand at Mercer County Correctional Center and say to those guys, I'm no better than you. Because I've told you stories about I'm driving around with an illegal gun. What if I would have got stopped one of those days driving around with an illegal gun that may, may have been used to do, commit a crime? What do you think I would be? I'm no different from these guys. And so I, I get that. And we need to get that, that we're usually no different than a lot of other people. Their situation just, they got caught and you didn't. <laughs> Nobody wants to admit to that, huh? All right. Jesus knew his audience. They were uncomfortable with the existing system. Those who followed Jesus' instruction would receive no reciprocal invitation. The poor, maimed, and blind had no resources which to fund a supper. I love that. Jesus emphasized the long term. When someone invites a friend, the only gain will be participating in a future supper. But if a man welcome those who cannot return the favor, a reward will come. The reward will not be another social event to attend. The greater reward is what will happen at the resurrection of the just. The reward will be eternal rather than temporal. We have to take our eyes off the temporal and take our eyes off the things that we can see 
just right before us and really realize that if we can do it the way Jesus say do it, if we will do it to please the Lord Jesus, our reward will be eternal and not temporal. And we can't focus on the things that are temporary because it's killing us. Our theme text that we've been using in Micah 6 and 8, the word of the Lord says, He has shown thee, O man, what is good. Meaning the Lord has shown us what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee. But to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with the Lord thy God. Our relationship with with other people are affected when we do justly and love mercy. The instruction to walk humbly with thy God changes the focus to God. While the focus changes, there's not a change in outcome. Walking humbly with God affects our relationship with others. No person walking humbly with God can at the same time walk proudly with others. So if you're walking humbly with God, there's no way you can be proud and arrogant with other people. If you're proud and arrogant with other people, then you may not be walking with God like you think you are. Conversely, those who walk proudly among their peers are not walking humbly with God. The opposite of walking humbly with the Lord would be sitting proudly with the Lord. That is quite a contrast. Somebody say Amen. And so I close. It is easy to discern the proud. The way they tell a story shows their true color. Uh huh. Micah's word also draw attention to the danger of taking ourselves too seriously. The proud not only portray themselves as grand heroes, but their image is also more important than reality. They find no honor or should I say no humor now or later when things don't go well. You can't be so serious, church, that you can't laugh at yourself. Mama, if you can't laugh at yourself, you in trouble. It's some pride in there somewhere. When somebody tees you, if you can't laugh with them, there's some pride going on there somewhere. You got to learn to laugh at yourself. And when people laugh at you, you got to laugh with them sometimes. Great Christians, people like those Micah described, laugh at themselves. Every humble person has the ability to laugh at themselves. You can't take yourself so serious. You can't be so serious that everybody else is a mess. Can I just slide this in before I finish up here? For every church, for every preacher, for every saint that live for God like they've got something that you don't, I've watched them all crumbled. Because when people are doing something different from you, instead of you humble yourself and say, is it me? I mean, maybe it's something I'm missing. No, right away you start condemning them in your mind, in the way you treat them. And I've watched so many people, so many churches, so many preachers that just, they just felt like what you're doing is so wrong and what they're doing is so right. And they treated you as such. And I watched them crumble. 
because I know what the word of God says. The word of God says, if your brother is taken over by a fault, you that are spiritual shall go and restore such a one in meekness. So if I see that what I'm doing is really of God and what you're doing is not of God, the only way to help you is to be meek and kind and merciful towards you if I'm going to extend some help towards you. But if I'm going to treat you like you're so messed up and what's wrong with you, guess what? That's arrogance. That's no pro- that There's pride in me and I can't help you. I guarantee you go do your research. People, especially in the kingdom of God, that begin to make you feel like you're wrong and they're right. Watch where they are. It's not a good thing. Even if it's true, you still have to know how to handle it. But if you want to put it out there like you're so great and they're not so great, watch that. Those who are proud hide their foolishness carefully. To be so humble as to tell of one's folly might desecrate a carefully crafted public persona. Your public persona is so high. Oh, God. Remember what I just said. You're so good and you got it all together that everybody else is a mess. Watch them all come down to zero. Because it's not of God. I don't care how much you think you're right. It's not of God to make others feel like they're inadequate while you're great. Proud people become tense when someone learns of a mistake they have made. Got to learn to laugh at yourself. At times they may attempt to defend the indefensible. That's what proud people do. Those who are not humble can be highly offended when they learn someone laughed at their folly. Walking humbly with the Lord and sitting proudly alongside him are easily distinguished. I finish with this story. The late J.T. Pugh, some of you don't know him. I know his brother Terry Pugh. Uh, I said his brother or his son. I know his son, Terry Pugh, served with him. But the late J.T. Pugh told of a leader whose goal was to improve those who served with him. (laughs) I'll tell you something about Terry Pugh once I get done here, his son. His purpose was to make each meeting he organized result in each participant going home a better person, a better spouse, a better pastor, and a better parent. In telling the story, J.T. Pugh did not name the leader who would do this all the time. Instead, the leader was a shadow figure. Mm -hmm. Unbeknownst to Brother Pugh, a man who worked with him had told others the same story that Brother Pugh has been telling people, but never naming the person. Except this man said, as Brother Pugh led the home missions division of the United Pentecostal Church, he had a goal for each board meeting. He wanted each member to return home a better person, a better spouse, a better leader, a better pastor, a better parent. Such behavior exemplify walking humbly with the Lord. J.T. Pugh was always interested in people being elevated, empowered, and impacting their life. But he never said that's what he's trying to do. He just says somebody he knows would like to see that happen. That's what humility 
looks like. The final great lesson is this. The church's greatest opportunity as well as responsibility is to reach those who are undervalued by society. J.T. Pugh left such a legacy that his son Terry Pugh is very well recognized among our movement. But I can't say enough about um, some of my experiences with the men and women of God I've encountered in our organization, in our movement. J.T. Pugh, again, you're talking about these name recognition people. I have encountered so many of them who have treated me so well. I, I'm in awe when I think about some of these great men and women of God that have pedigree, that's been around a long time, that their name recognition is just top notch, and they have treated me well. I can't tell you the people I've encountered how well they've treated me. And J.T. Pugh's son, Terry Pugh, <laughs> he loves barbecue chips and Dr. Pepper, and he wears cowboy boots. He's from Texas, right? And so he comes in with his cowboy boots, just like a cowboy. But he got to have some chips and some Dr. Pepper. And Brother Pew, I would tease him, Brother Pew, where are your chips and Dr. Pepper? I guess they didn't think I needed any today. But we would sit and talk, and he was just a regular guy. And everybody knew his daddy's legacy. But J.T. Pew, the son of, uh, of, of this great man, he would just be so just unannounced, just, you know. And so we have some great, Men of God around us, great women of God that are humble. And if we will learn to walk humbly, maybe somebody will tell the story of us someday that will help somebody else. But if we're going to be children of God, if we're going to have impact, we're going to have to walk humbly before the Lord. And we're going to have to live that life of humility and not try to exalt ourselves and not try to be to try to value ourselves to other people. Let the Lord determine your value. Because when the Lord determine your value, he will raise you up and nobody can do anything about it because he was the one who raised you up because he determines your value. Let's stand together. If you will stand with me tonight and just take a moment to lift your hands to heaven and just worship the Lord and thank him tonight. Jesus, we love you. We lift our hands to the heavens tonight, Lord God, and we honor you. You are our God. You are our Lord. You are our host. You are our master. And, oh, God, we lift our hands tonight in total surrenderance. We bow before you tonight asking, Lord God, that you just be merciful. That, Lord, we realize that you didn't have to invite us into your family. You didn't have to give us an invitation to spend eternity with you. But you did anyhow. It's not because we deserve it, Lord God. It's not because we warranted it, Lord God. But it's because of your mercy. It's because of your goodness. It's because of your kindness. It's because of your love. And tonight, Lord God, we lift our hands in total surrenderance. We lift our hands, oh God, in total humility tonight, Lord God. For Lord, we know that only because of you could we ever do anything. There is nothing, Lord God, that we can ever accomplish that's meaningful, that you didn't have a hand in it, that you didn't have something to do with it. Lord, 
we can only do anything. Oh God, because of you, it's because of you can we do anything. You give us the strength. You give us the hope. You, Lord God, give us instructions and direction. And tonight, Lord God, we just want you to know how much we adore you. We appreciate you. We love you. We, oh God, worship you. And we bow before you, oh great King. Oh Lord and God. Oh Jesus, our Father. Will you have your way in our thoughts? Will you have your way in our heart? Oh God, we want to walk humbly before you. We want to be, oh God, an instrument that you can work through. Lord, remove out of our heart any pride that will hinder us from being pleasing unto you. And Lord, put into us, Lord God, the things that are heavenly, the things that are godly. Oh my God, have your way tonight, Lord Jesus. Will you sweep over every person tonight that will yield and lift their hands to you? Will you speak to them, Lord God, and confirm your word in their spirit, oh God? I pray that you will shake free, oh God, the chains and, oh God, the things that binds us, Lord God. Will you set every person under the sound of my voice free, Lord God, that they're able, Lord God, to walk in total humility, that they're able to walk, oh God, oh Father, in the love and the grace of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised. Jesus, we honor you. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. We worship you, oh great God. We thank you tonight, Lord. Have your way in our homes. Have your way in our life. Have your way in the life of our family members, in our church, Lord God, in our communities all across this nation, Lord God. I pray for the will of God to be done, Lord, and that we can be your hands and feet, and that we can be the oracles and the vessels that you can work through. Jesus, we're grateful that we came together tonight to partake of the Word and to worship you and to give you honor and praise. Now, Lord God, as we go to our respective place of dwelling, let your spirit overshadow us. Let your spirit have control. Let your spirit constrain us. And let the Spirit of God move in our lives. We love you, Lord. We honor you tonight. And we bless your holy name. The Lord is good. His mercy everlasting. And His truth endureth unto all generation. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Will somebody clap their hands unto Jesus and just thank Him tonight for God is good. God has spoken to our heart. Let us take what God has given into us and entrust us with and let's live it out in Jesus' name. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for your attention and for your time. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.